Hey, welcome to the Guaranteed Audio podcast. I think, yeah, Guaranteed Audio, that's what yep. it's called. My name is Neil. I'm Ryan. And I'm Max. <laughs> if you've listened to the previous two episodes, you might notice something's different. Um, Kevin has turned into Max. <laughs> uh, the, there's a simple explanation, and that is uh, Kevin couldn't be here today. Yep, Kevin's working on a production right now. Um, he actually just came back from San Francisco and San Diego uh, working on his documentary about tangible media and video games. But he didn't. He could not be here today. We've been pretty busy lately, and we thought we've just got to get something down. Uh, got to get something on that hard drive. So thank you all for joining us, and Max, we're happy to have you. Happy to be here. Now, if you've watched our videos, you know Max as the bully from a couple uh, New Kids on the Rock episodes. Uh, what else have you played? Uh, you shot me in the Tetris video. Yeah. A, a last minute script edition. <laughs> based uh, on my presence in your apartment yeah, at the time. Yeah, you were there. So I was like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if I also shot Max? <laughs> <laughs> Even though he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, you've been around. Yeah, I'm yeah, around. Yeah, you're a familiar face. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, with that in mind, we're going to try and stick to topics Max can speak on correct and you may have noticed our next video is like a month late now uh that's for the same reason that kevin isn't here today which is basically uh he's very busy working on uh his project and uh, uh as a hired gun on some other projects right now and that particular video happened to be one that he was in charge of editing uh so he just hasn't been able to work on it for the last few weeks uh and he actually just transferred it over to me so I got to finish that pretty soon and do some music for it and get it all together and then we'll get it up online and we can move on with our lives. Yes, apologies everyone at home. We have been busy. Neil actually just moved to a new place. Mm -hmm. Kevin has moved to a new place. I'm still where I am. But uh, my brother got married uh, less than a month ago and it was a whole production. And uh, yeah. Congrats so to, to Sean. Yes, my brother's uh, name is Sean. Who, Sean uh, and Tori Murphy now. For really old school fans, you'll remember Sean played um, the wizard. In No Place Like Home, that's no right. No Place Like Home back in 2007. My and brother, I always thought he did a good job. Oh, he did. He yeah. definitely did. He uh, Never yep. casted him again. Sean <laughs> <laughs> Went on a high note. <laughs> well, uh, he's married now. So he's, <laughs> yeah, good for him. <laughs> he's a family man. I've just been waiting for that marriage in the last 10 years to really for him to land his next big role. Um, but yeah, uh, so we have been busy, but we're back, y'all. And we were thinking, how about we start with current, current media, current as we're still calling it. Let's start with Max. What have you been ingesting lately? Uh, well, I'm doing uh, a media exchange of sorts with my girlfriend. Uh, I gave her a list of 52 films to oh. watch. Uh, one every week that she hasn't seen and she gave me uh, six anime shows to watch over the course of a <laughs> That's year. That's equitable, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I am watching Kill La Kill as per her suggestion. I don't know that one yet. Oh. I don't know that one yet. What's, uh, what's it about? So it is uh, a... It's... It sort of has the energy of Super Jail if you are familiar I with that definitely am. Adult Swim program. Um, but it is a, I, I, I don't want to say hyper-sexualized because it's like, it's sort of like exaggerated femininity. Um, 
it's it's very high energy. It's this I think like city. It it looks kind of like the wherever the box trolls takes place. Okay. <laughs> um, I've only seen the first few episodes, so I might be getting stuff wrong. But sounds cool. <laughs> but there's like this school, and like the better you are at this school, the more of like this like super powered uniform you get that like makes you like a better and stronger fighter. And this exchange student comes in, and apparently the head of the student council may have killed her father somehow, and she's there to seek revenge, but she has to like fight like the other people in the school in the meantime like the head of the boxing club has like super like boxing gloves and like the head of like the tennis team has like this super powered tennis racket and like this super powered suit that has tennis balls in it are you Sounds- watching it s- <laughs> subtitled or dubbed subbed all right good yeah, good right to and the I, I have to ask what was number one on the list that you gave your girlfriend yeah uh, number one was Before Sunrise. Oh, cool. I've never Linklater. seen that. Yeah, I've never nice. seen that either. It's one of my favorite movies, yeah. Oh, cool. Ethan Hawke, known from The Purge. <laughs> He's done more things than that. It's just fun to say that. Yeah. The Purge. <laughs> purge is pretty good. I still like The Purge. I have a soft spot for The Purge. There Not should be a word for that. Yeah. that. When you have a soft spot for something you know is... For The Purge. There <laughs> should be a word specific... <laughs> for when you like the purge. Yes. <laughs> My recent media includes something I watched with you, Max. I watched Saw last night. <laughs> now, was it the first time you'd seen the first Saw? Oh, yeah. Seen I had Saw. zero interest when it was <laughs> the current thing. But uh, this was a, uh, you know, that movie's, I, I, I hear people say it's aged okay. I think I'm finally mature enough to watch it uh, without getting nightmares or whatever. And, um... <laughs> It really uh, struck me, and as someone who I still haven't seen Seven, but I guessed that Seven was a big influence on it, just from what I know. In of a lot seven. of ways, yeah. You know, it's funny. It, it makes me think of that. Uh, now I can, when I think of Saw, I always think of it within the context of being part of this big bloated franchise. But when it first came out, one was, a year until like yeah, four or eight, until they yeah. stopped making money. For as long as they made more money than the cost, we'll keep on making them. Which is a business model of a compulsive gambler, <laughs> uh, or a pimp, uh, or another a criminal. It's a it's a criminal compulsive way of, pimp. He, compulsive, <laughs> he just can't stop. <laughs> He's just not investing his money wisely. But I, it was more it, it, long before I knew it would be the start of a huge ridiculous franchise. They can't see me roll my eyes because they can't see us. But. Uh, Remember that movie with Colin Farrell's in a phone booth and Kiefer Sutherland's on it's the other? Called it's called Phone, phone Booth. booth. It's called phone. <laughs> this is his own little bottle episode. Bottle idea. Bottle like, episode. Oh. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, yeah. It's a and look. Uh, the more I read about the movie, saw the more I kind of respected it as a uh, as like a low budget made. Um, you know, they cut as they cut corners in as creative ways as they could, and it was just a, a big passion project. And Carrie Elwes. Uh, Agreed to be in it based on a short film that they made. Um, and uh, as for the picture itself, um, it was okay. Has a very unsatisfying sequel hook ending. There, there were more traps in it than I thought. I thought all the uh, elaborate traps were like from the sequels, but they actually have flashbacks to other victims he's had. Um, and you can see like where they uh, you know, set the tone for what the sequels would have to do to one-up. Now, forgive me, it's been so long since I saw Saw 1, but 
Jigsaw. Do you actually meet um, Jigsaw? The you Mac, do, the yeah. You basically see okay. his face. Yeah, the actor. Quite I like that actor. He's he's good at playing that creepy. And I I actually I don't even remember seeing him in much before I knew him from that. Uh, do you know his name? I can't remember it because I can clearly picture his face, hear his voice. You know, uh, Toby something. He's, no, <laughs> no. He, he's he's like he's a character actor that could have probably pulled off Rorschach from uh, Rorschach from Watchmen. Thank yeah. you. Just uh, he's got the guy's got a face, yeah. and that's not always a good thing. <laughs> Um, but I was also, uh, Danny Glover's in it more than I thought. Yeah. Uh, or at least he's spread out in a smart way. Cause apparently they shot all his stuff in two days. I can um, see that. Yeah. <laughs> but he actually, you know, he's got an action scene. He's, uh, he's doing all sorts of stuff in that movie. Um, yeah, it was fine. It helps that the, the, that, uh, the week before I watched the number 23, which came out around the same time, I think. Actually, no, number 23 came out. Much later than you think. It came out in 2007. Um, I thought it was like 2002 or something. But Me too. Uh, for those who don't remember, that is um, the big, uh, ooh, Jim Carrey's going to be in a psychological thriller. This is a dark side of Jim Carrey that we've never seen before. Um, and if you've never seen it before, you can, you can stay that way. That'll oh, be just yeah. fine. Not very good. Um, I, I bet you and I are among a lot of people for whom, uh, based on the algorithm of determining what you like and don't like on Netflix, that it's suggested you may like 23. Uh, spoiler alert, we, we don't. <laughs> we, we tried it, we don't. They, I bet there's a whole lot of people that when it, because 23 got added to Netflix within the last month or so, who went, you know what? I'm already paying eight something a month for Netflix. I, I, I'll take a whack at it. That's exactly why I watched it within the with uh, back in August. I I decided you know I've already got Netflix, um, Netflix horror section of kind of dried out. I'll take a whack at it and because uh, you know what before I just assume pre zoom, um, pre judge it's gonna be bad. I might as well try and I every assumption every prejudice I had was correct. It's it's terrible. It's every it's all the reason that that would be terrible. And even within the film, the characters acknowledge. Yeah, this stupid number thing you could apply. Even they acknowledge the premise is hokey multiple times. I like that about it, actually, that they uh, that there really is no magic in the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would like to see that version of the movie that really makes the case that, uh, no, there is something going on here. <laughs> um, but I can't... I, it's... Um, uh, what's his name directed? Joel Schumacher. Uh, it's, oh, yeah. It's a little sad, I think. Yeah. Um, I can imagine a version of it that's that's better. A big part of the problem is it revolves around this book that Jim Carrey's reading, and it's kind of a detective novel. And it keeps showing, it keeps cutting to inside the book, and Jim Carrey's yeah. playing the detective, and it's all very 2000s, high contrast. Sin City. Uh, Sin City, and it's just very like, dated, and that's why I was surprised it came out in 2007. There, there's no way that I'm the only person. Hell, I, Nail, you maybe one too. We're sitting in this room recording a podcast. When they first cut to him as like the cool detective with that... So exactly. Did you laugh? I... Because I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> they really... And they're not playing it for jokes, but I laughed. I laughed, and I wasn't supposed to. I think the closest... Jim Carrey ever needs to be to playing a cool detective is Ace Ventura. <laughs> Ace Ventura had more dignity in this project. 
All right, now I'm trying to picture a cool detective. Does he have sort of like a trench coat sort yeah. of thing? He's got a. Uh, it's, a it's not a cool detective. It's no, a, okay, no, it's, it's a noir like, detective who's nihilistic. Not so much a. Um, yeah, he's got slick back hair. Uh, he, um, he's always smoking a cigarette. He's often in the rain and like just blase, like pulling off like the the caution tape on a crime scene. He's having like, a very sexy affair with this Italian woman. Yeah, it's it's bad. Or it's bad. He did. A, they did a bad job. <laughs> oh, um, fun fact about the movie. Uh, I'll give either. I'll give you one guess. What his um, multi-million dollar um, fee for appearing in the film is in the number twenty-three. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> You did your homework on this uh, stuff. He, he was paid. Hey, Jim Carrey, you could be in the movie. Oh, what do you usually cost? Twenty. All right, we're we're gonna give you twenty three million. <laughs> All righty then. <laughs> I hope he said that. Uh, no, actually, I can't I, prove he didn't. I recommend reading the trivia over uh, the trivia page on IMDb over watching the movie because it. They really do. They list all the secret twenty threes hidden in the movie. All the coincidences surrounding the production of the film. Um, uh, and you don't watch the movie. It's really silly. <laughs> I just remember the commercials where he was like, this plus this plus that equals 23. Nine divided by 11. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, if you just like, just pick and choose when you're going to multiply and subtract and di- decide when you're going to split a number Which apart, is the point that know? they do make in the movie. They yeah. have, um, uh, um, Angelica Houston's brother, what's his name? Danny Houston plays um, the skeptical professor in the film. Um, and it, man, he, he reminds me so much of Ray Wise. Um, he shows up in Wonder Woman. And, oh, he's in Wonder Woman? I haven't yeah, seen him yet. Yeah, and I, I really thought it was Ray Wise, uh, you know, uh, Laura Palmer's dad, um, when he showed up. And I was like, oh my God, Ray Wise is in this movie. That's he, great. But he plays wasn't. Denethor in Lord of the Rings, nope. right? Third guy. <laughs> oh, third one. <laughs> These guys, they should make a club. They should. I'd love that. I'd watch a movie with the, the three arched eyebrow men. <laughs> It'd be great, like, the trailers, they all, like, one of them calls the other one on the phone. It's like, oh, you know who we need to tell about this plan? <laughs> what? One more cross-country trip? Or, we're, I don't know, maybe they're bootleggers or something, which I, I, didn't, I didn't thought the same. They definitely, they'd be three brothers who um, their father dies or something. <laughs> their father is played by uh, Jack Nicholson or something. <laughs> Or John Voigt, John Voigt came up for, yeah, we thought it would be funny if, you know how they're making a new Tomb Raider film? Yeah. That's, you know, more like the new games. What if John Voigt was still the dad? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense because it's not actually Angelina Jolie's biological father. Like, what's the point? What if for some weird, like how, like Alfred the Butler is the only thing tying together so many Batman films? Yeah. Like, why not? Why not just give John Voigt, throw him a bone, <laughs> Mickey Donovan? I don't know, what have you been watching really? Well, uh... We were talking about this before, uh, but that doesn't matter because that's not what no. y'all listened to at home. Didn't happen. This, yeah, <laughs> actually, we were hanging out all day today, and we kept having to be like, "Just save it for the podcast." Yeah, we keep okay. doing. Um, I've been. I watched a bunch of Adam ruins everything. I really like Adam Conover's show. I always loved MythBusters, but their debunkings were more pragmatic, engineering based. You know, uh, urban legends and uh, matters of physics. I always like Penn and Teller's bullshit. When I, nope, I don't mean to say that. I often like Penn and Teller's <laughs> bullshit, something that we have all discussed. Uh, yeah, Kevin, who's not here with us, Max, Neil, and I, 
when they when they catch lightning in a bottle, man, it's good. And when they drop the ball, they really drop the ball. I could spend a whole hour going over the good ones and the bad ones and the ones that are just, you know, teaching you some something important. Adam is a... He cites his sources. He has a whole team of fact checkers. He admits when he's wrong as he makes mistakes. Um, but they have... A, do these have a strongly left-leaning slant? Yes, absolutely. But, I mean, we're, we're recording this in Somerville. We're practically in Cambridge. Our library doesn't even want Dr. Seuss. Yeah, another thing. Again, I know. Happy and Indigenous Peoples Day. Happy Indigenous up. Peoples Day. You got it. <laughs> but what I've actually... If the one thing I, I kind of want to talk about, and I'm uh, Max, you kind of clicked that in my memory, was... Because I didn't want to just talk about Adam Ruins Everything because... Uh, that's kind of his job. <laughs> uh, I finally sat down and I watched my brother's cut, my brother Sean's copy of uh, the Hideaki Anno got Gojira, the 2016 ah. Godzilla, and man, I was impressed. I really liked that. That was cool. Yes. Is that Shin Godzilla? Is it yes, yeah. Shin yes, Godzilla. Okay. Or they? I, no, my friends keep trying to get me to watch that one. I, I've seen clips from it. It looks pretty cool. It's smart. Yeah. It deals with the post-nuclear Japan in a really meaningful way. It deals with uh, Japanese bureaucracy, which I knew little about. It doesn't so much sit on ceremony per se. Sit on ceremony per se. <laughs> but uh, it, it brings it as a it does what these mo- it does what these movies were always supposed to be doing. It is Japanese people within their own country. Um, citing uh, as a satire a, a look in the ugly mirror, the dark mirror of what works and what doesn't work within our culture. It is on Americans imposing our own views on Japan, which, by the way, the American influence cannot be overstated. I mean, Japan still can't have a standing army for something since the end of World War II. It's something absurd, like five hundred years. Oh. Uh, yeah, the, like by the time, yeah, the statute. We're not even close. We're not even at the first hundred yet. It's it's something. They they are in many ways a protectorate within. The greater American military, con- you know, they are part of the United States military. Our ships dock in their harbors. Um, by that I mean our battleships dock in their harbors. And it's it's more complicated and nuanced than just we own Japan, because we don't. They're a sovereign country. But this, again, it plays out, it really brings up post-nuclear Japan. It's about nationalism in a post-war country. Nationalism and pride are really tough things to tackle, for countries that lose wars. Wouldn't it be weird if you kept flying the flag of your country that lost? Topical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, that would be... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a bizarre thing for a country to do? Japan had to acknowledge that they lost the war, and losing the war was devastating, and Japan has been a post-war country ever since. So are we. We just had, you know, a huge economic boom uh, in the 50s. But uh, within the context of the film, they bring up uh, that one of the solutions is to nuke Godzilla because traditional weapons have failed. And they just don't want to go to the nuclear option, even how devastating the creature is. A huge factor comes down to not us, not again. We just can't do it again. Upon hindsight of the project, I have to say... The actual Godzilla, Gojira, goes through three different iterations from a very strange, almost uh, almost like a salamander-type version, a more oh, aquatic, yeah. um, that's awkward and, and unsustainable on its own two legs. 
Um, and I thought to myself uh, the other day when I was driving that this is like the worst game of Pokemon I've ever seen. <laughs> this is just the most frightening Pokemon that accidentally digivolves. And by the way, wait, I, you know, you don't want to digivolve your Pokemon. <laughs> I'm going to throw explode. it out there. Digimon Season 1 2, no, more Season 1. Digimon was a way better show than Pokemon. I'm going to throw it out there. Comment. I'm turning off the microphone. <laughs> Digimon, Digimon was a substantially better show. I'm gonna throw it out there. The, yeah. my, the whole set with Myotismon and when they came back to Earth, and this isn't helping. <laughs> For those of you who can't see us, which is all of you listening, Neil didn't watch Digimon. You can see it on his face. Max definitely clicks like, oh fuck yeah, of course it's Myotismon. Yeah, yeah, clearly, yeah. Let's let's move on. Okay. Uh, so is that it on Shin Godzilla? Because I I've seen it. Neil Please seen keep it. going. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of the whole evolution thing, I thought that it was really clever that. You know, in the, the very first Godzilla, 1954, Gojira, um, he just appears. Like, it just comes out of the water because how else do you get to Japan except by water unless you're flying in? But that's Rodea. That's a whole different movie. Um, and I liked that he, you know, it, it, there is this transition from aquatic to this character, you know, to this creature on land. Because then it's like, well, you know, why didn't we notice it before? Oh, because it was like this smaller thing, you know, and all that. And then it becomes this very, you know, dangerous, frightening thing that spews blood and just looks horrifying. Yeah. They really managed to bring the fear back to Godzilla, which has been missing. As someone who's seen, I think, most Godzilla movies at this point, it's been missing for quite a while. And there are, this is not an opinion, this is a fact, there are way more bad Godzilla movies than good ones. It's so good to see them breathe a little life into this franchise again and go, wow, that Godzilla film was smart. I honestly thought I'd never get to see that in my life. I thought we'd never get back to that point. That was smart and clever and good. I'd watch it again. Well, you don't. You didn't get the satire of 1998 Godzilla. <laughs> Matthew Broderick. Oh, didn't you notice Mayor Ebert? You weren't picking that up? Hey, and when his assistant gives him two thumbs down, oh, topical. <laughs> Hank Azaria, rest in peace. <laughs> Thanks, doing fine. He's good, you guys. God, if, oh, if he's dead by the time this airs, we gotta cut that. Have you? Seen, no, he's in great shape. Yeah, everybody can die. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could just you know, be in a plane crash. Yeah, I guess he seems like the type to like fly <laughs> his own planes. As always, for those of you at home, Neil, Neil's got his phone out. He's checking. No, no, <laughs> no! I, I got my phone out because I think it's time to move on to oh. our uh, the, "Let the Games Begin" segment. Normally, uh, at least in the past two episodes where we've had Kevin, we had a little trivia contest. One of us would host. Uh, this time, since this is an odd episode where we got Max stinking up the joint, I thought, Sorry. Uh, Max. and this is an idea I had like you know half an hour ago. <laughs> uh, was I'm just gonna go on eBay. And I'm going to type in vintage board games. And I'm going to load up a picture of a board game uh, for for each of us. And I'm going to show one of us the picture of the board game. And based on the cover, you're just going to have to try and tell the podcasting audience uh, what the rules, are, or at least the objective of this game is. So um, uh, guessing how a board game works. That's, that's what this game is. So I'll start with you, Ryan. All right. I'm going to load up this game. It's called Extremely Rare Vintage 1969 Ideal Poison Ivy Board Game Complete. I don't have to read it. So, all right, I'm looking at it. 
the children, okay, so the children either do or do not get poison ivy. They need to, I'm presuming that they need to, uh, it might be something like Twister that you lay out on the ground. Maybe something with steps, you almost do like a hopscotch. The box makes it look like there's a huge thing that you can touch. Yeah, this might be a whole thing, you know, like there's, there's, it's almost like the children's game Lava. You know, some squares are normal, some squares are lava, don't step on the lava. And maybe uh, you have to, you roll dice to, to determine if you are going to make it out of the poison ivy. And like, if there is enough space for you, some musical chairs level fight, fight or flight that like you have to push other people into the poison ivy. Maybe there's only a certain amount of poison ivy left and you have to like, it's sort of an endurance round. Like you have to wait till winter when it dies out, like you're safe by then. You just have, you have to wait it out or... I, yeah, there's a cartoon squirrel on the cover, and that's <laughs> that's uh, yeah. I'm gonna guess that it's something. It's a wider set. You have to. All right, I'm gonna show you a picture okay. of inside the box. Okay, it's a little was... square that fits inside a standard. It's about twelve inches long. Yeah, it's okay. a. It's not a thing that fills the room like the box shows. Okay. And it's it's a little green thing that you with holes set in it that you put little poison ivy little plastic poison ivy leaves. Which I'm, is fucking stupid because then you have to touch poison ivy. The whole game is touching poison ivy. It's like the only All thing right. you're not supposed to do. I'm guessing there's no real poison ivy included in well, this. Yeah, question. but. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. I think you look upset. I, 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 for anyone who, out there who knows, I am particularly sensitive to poison ivy. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I did not mean to like single I, it's you. It's a hot topic. I don't All like right. it. Max, this yes. game is called Personality Game. All right, so... Describe what you see and what you think. All right, so is. we got five characters on the front here. Um, and you've got a woman who's sort of a... Sort of an older-looking woman. She looks like someone who would be offended by Groucho Marx in one of his <laughs> films. Um, and she is uh, a, a bit hefty. And she's attempting to do... She has a thought bubble above her. She's, like, attempting to do ballet or gymnastics. And then there's a very uh, nebbish-looking guy, sort of like uh, Jason Alexander, and he's imagining himself skydiving. And then there is, like, uh, this huge dude who looks like both a professor and a football player at the same <laughs> time, and he's imagining himself as a painter. And then there is a woman who looks like she's going out to the opera, and she's imagining herself hunting a lion. And then there's a guy who looks like Slughorn, and he's imagining himself <laughs> uh, playing polo on a horse. All right. And it's based on the NBC TV show. What? <laughs> and it says, have a ball analyzing players' answers to quote-unquote loaded questions to learn what they are really like. So what do you think? How do you think you win this game? Let's see. So I guess, like... It's like you have like maybe multiple choice questions like, would you uh, rather like go to a fancy party or go camping or go to karaoke? And like you have to guess what people have like picked for themselves. What's that hmm. survey says show? Uh, you guess yeah, if yeah. the audience agrees with you or not. Or, or like, um, what's the one where it's like a husband and wife? Family Feud? No, no that's what I was thinking. No, but it's like where they ask you personal questions and then you have to guess your spouse's answers. What's that game called? Newlywed Game? Newlywed Game, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Chuck I'm picking Ferris, the next... rest in peace. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my man. So the next, the the next one, it's called Monster Squad. It's a green box. It's got a 
Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman, and they're all wearing cool, they look like uh, title belts, like championship belts. Um, uh, Frankenstein's got his hands on his belt in a real cool way. Looks like the belts have some sort of gems in them or buttons. And um, behind them, they're in like a castle or like the parking lot of a castle. <laughs> There's kind of a, a van with a, like, looks like an ambulance that's been dressed up as a monster type vehicle. <laughs> Why is the Wolfman dressed like uh, like Robin Hood? Yeah, I guess it's a very uh, specific It's a look. medieval Wolfman. It's the um it's the old French whatever. All right. Wait, so is this a prequel to Monster Squad in game form? This looks <laughs> older. I think it just happens oh, okay. to share a name with the film Monster Squad. Okay. Oh, it's from the popular television show. Uh, so let's see. Are there any clues? There's well, it's only for okay, actually, this 12, one, so we're not playing. You want to hit 12, you're done. <laughs> so this one does have the objective right on the box. So I've been, I've been spoiled here, but it says the object be first to get your monster squad back home. So, Ooh, so right from that, I can infer that uh, every player has their own squad. Um, it's probably, I don't know if there's more than three monsters or that you divide up or if there's, Multiple different wolfmen that you could that each player gets to control, uh, and there's also a home. I'm guessing that's a castle. Um, so you're not a human trying to escape the monsters. You're the monsters. Yeah, it's or you're the monsters manager. I guess <laughs> um, you're the director of the monster squad. And uh, let me see if I can. Oh, well, there's the board. Inside. So yeah, it's like I yeah I figured it's who's that it, kid. <laughs> At the top of the board, there's like a oh, it's a guy, a dopey looking, like just a, a human guy. Yeah, TV broadcaster. He looks like uh, one of the partridges or something. <laughs> and um, man, I love the art in this. Frankenstein has like slacks on, <laughs> but yeah, it's your it's your basic. Uh, you just like roll the dice and travel a certain number of squares down until you get back to the monster home. Easy enough. Let's do one more round, I guess. All, All right. right. Uh, let me find a good one here. A lot of these are from 1968, which I guess is a big year for. So are you getting these from eBay? Yeah, or? this is just the, okay. <laughs> Ryan, tell me, how do you play Mork and oh, Mindy? How do you not play Mork and Mindy? <laughs> yeah, so you're Mork. Because <laughs> who wants to be Mindy? I mean, yeah. you're Mork. You're Robin Williams' character from the popular television program of the late 70s. Maybe even to early in into the, early yeah, it's 80s, one of those, I yeah, want to say. Fans a little later than you think. I have to do my research. 1979, Parker Brothers, Mork and Mindy, board game. New unpunched pieces. Ooh, <laughs> so you get to relive your glory days as, as Mork. And, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mindy. I'm, I'm also presuming from the size of the box that it is a tabletop traditional game. I'm guessing that, I'm going to guess... It's a Monopoly type setup. I think it's just the you go around the square. I don't think they're that clever. I don't think it's a shoots and ladders scenario. And you can buy property or succeed at things or win at things. You roll dice, see how many steps you go. And you go in and basically each one you either, it's like they're all screenshots from episodes. Remember the one where Mork had to get a job or Mindy had to get Mork out of a job or <laughs> I never watched Mork and Mindy. <laughs> I actually I don't even know these supporting I, characters. Who are these people? Um Jonathan Winters was on it. Um, he was. Oh. He it, it was kind of weird. He played Mork's son, I think. So it was kind of an age reversal thing. It was kind of disturbing. He was just dressed like a child and talking like a child. 
He may have been a later season edition or something. I don't know. I never watched it. I like that better than... uh, Remember how in Third Rock from the Sun, how the kid was actually the oldest alien? Yes, it's a lot like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, But I'm looking at the... No, I was watching an episode of it recently because... I was looking up uh, Paul Rubens for some reason, and he was on it. He was pre Wee, I guess, or after the HBO special. But he was just a struggling comedic actor. He plays a nerd uh, <laughs> at a at a high school reunion that Mindy goes to, uh, and it's Paul Rubens. He's kind of doing the Pee Wee voice. Um, he was also on Murphy Brown in the nineties. I, I was looking up all these like sitcom appearances of Paul Rubens that I didn't know about. Um, I'm guessing a lot of it is <laughs> just as Mindy. I'm guessing a lot of it's Smork and Mindy trivia. Is it like a trivial pursuit for Mork like, and Mindy? Yeah, there's cards you, you pull, and it looks like they all have some of the funny words that Mork would say. Uh, by the way, for those who don't know, Mork and Mindy was uh, Robin Williams' breakout uh, sitcom role where he played an alien, and he did his Robin Williams goof, you know, goofball stuff. And was and this before or after Popeye? Uh, it was it was before Popeye, but uh, uh, concurrent to it as well. But it's, it's certainly like how he most people got to know him. Yeah, like he didn't he didn't leave the show. I think to be in Popeye. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, um, but uh, people loved it. Mork was huge. They, were they in San Francisco? Like my memories of it are are so vague, and I'm picturing stuff right now, like them in their classic TV, you know, the classic TV sitcom living room. Um, yeah, people coming through the door without no no one ever knocked. They just walked in the door. <laughs> I believe it was a spinoff of Happy Days. No, they exist I, in the same way. Yeah, yeah. exist in the, in the universe. If you look up the Tommy West Fall universe, uh, they are linked. And uh, 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 Laverne and Shirley were also a spinoff. But I think the difference is Laverne and Shirley stayed a '60s period piece. Whereas when they spun off Mork and Mindy, I think they just kind of like, eh, it's present day now. Just forget that it was... But did the uh, Mork cartoon ever cross over with Laverne and Shirley in the army, the cartoon? There was also a Happy Days cartoon, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be the ultimate crossover. I Well, to answer your question, I don't know. Remind, just remind the audience, in case they are not familiar with this... What the extended universe in question that you referenced? Because this oh, is fascinating. Tommy Westfall. For, it's yes, it's, it's spelt with a ph instead of an f. I think. Uh, was what was the show? Was it eighties um, medical? There was something. In a, yeah, it was a hospital drama. Yeah, was it Saint Elsewhere? Is that the name? Yeah, I think. Yep, so. Saint Elsewhere. Um, the way the final that, episode. Yeah, the final episode of the show, and I forget if it was a sitcom or a drama or what. But the final episode, uh, they reveal that. Um, the entire show took place in the mind of this autistic boy who was playing with a snow globe of a hospital. So they were inferring that, like, oh, everything that you just watched on this show was imagined by this this little boy. But the problem with that uh, twist ending is the uh, St. Elsewhere had crossovers with a bunch of other shows. So from that, you have to guess, like, oh, well, I guess he also imagined those shows... And those shows had crossovers with other sitcoms, and so on, and so on, and so on. And, and so on mapped out every single crossover that could possibly be connected to the Tommy Westfall universe. And it's really fun just to see the sheer amount of um, <laughs> crossovers that have happened in TV land. And you know, I, I kind of, I cannot think of, a, then again, I don't watch sitcoms anymore. 
but um, I can't think of crossover. It's it's really is a di- that crossovers have gone the way of the laugh track, and they're just you know a, a, such an antiquated kind of a. They're like um, clip shows. They're just yeah. such a cheap device. But the thing is, if you look at TV listings, some sitcom that we don't watch is absolutely number one. I'm sure it's Big Bang yeah. Theory. Well, Big yes. Bang Theory now, but like it's been that way for years. Where just there's some sitcom that everyone cares about, except everyone you know. I don't know how it works. Yeah, and for those of you out there, who, if you know what it is, uh, then you ain't talking to us. But yeah, f- please feel free to leave that in the comments. Why not? Why not? I right, guess we'll learn something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the best one I've seen so far. It's called No Respect. Oh, it's, it is, of course, Rodney Dangerfield's oh game. Oh, my God. Yeah, show Ryan the picture, actually. Okay, so... Yeah, <laughs> I want to buy it's that. It's exactly what you'd expect. It's his face. It's yeah, his face. He's, now, he's making the face you would think. He's like sort of like his face is going one way. He's pulling his tie the other way. Um, and uh, it is a nerve-wracking, number-stacking game of sudden death. <laughs> um, I should note that the 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 graphic of the like the name of the uh, game actually looks a lot like the Unsolved Mysteries opening title. Oh yes, yeah, it it's got those little horizontal lines. Yeah. So well, that's see. when I as soon as I saw that, I like I I figured out the year. Like that's oh that's nineteen eighty five, nineteen eighty eight, something like that. So let's see, a nerve wracking number stacking game of sudden death. So I'm guessing like. You have to like pull a card or something, and you if you don't have respect for someone, you can like take away like so their you, points or something. You think respect is a currency in the game? Uh, yeah, yeah. I sincerely <laughs> hope it is. <laughs> well, maybe not a currency. Maybe it's more like a, a factor. It's sort of like sorry, like you know who 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 are you gonna you know screw over in the game and have to say sorry to? Except it's the opposite. Like okay, who so, aren't you gonna say sorry to because you have no respect? So do you think they just slapped his face on this game? Uh, I I don't know what came first, the the no respect or the Rodney Dangerfield? Who knows? Man, I don't know. I don't know. I want to know the story behind. Uh, hey, uh, what if I had a board game? <laughs> I'm what guessing. Year, what year is this from? Does it say? Are we... I think you guess 85 to 88 based well, on the Rodney. Rodney, despite being an older guy, didn't really get respect until the 80s, I think. Post uh, Caddyshack. I think he was on TV a bit, but um, he kind of had a late start to his career. Uh, so this, and just from the design of the box, it looks like it's a. Uh, it's some, uh, some something from the 80s. I was watching an old Ronnie Dangerfield clip like two days ago. Mm-hmm. Like his stand-up on uh, like Johnny Carson. Uh, it just ha- I don't know why. It just happened to be shared on my Facebook feed. It was an odd coincidence. Uh, by the way, for, those of you, uh, for everyone at home, I- I'm going to assume that respect is within the context of the game difficult to obtain. That <laughs> <laughs> appears to be Mr. Dangerfield's kind of... This is kind of where he, he feels the most comfortable with <laughs> <laughs> the elu- the ever fleeting respect. All right, I'm looking it up real quick just because I'm very I, curious. I, I, this is worth. I'm time, looking up uh, boardgamegeek.com, which is I've found before, just because I like more than playing them. I like just digging up old board games that no one remembers. Um, stay alive by playing number tiles on your own columns. So it looks like this is a real game that someone the 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 only way they could get it made was to uh, <laughs> to to. So reach out to the danger field people, and I feel compelled to read that for everyone. Here's just the game for you, danger field fans. 
<laughs> a combination of strategy, suspense, and total frustration to challenge even the most self-respecting player. Yeah, I don't see the... Um, this is an afterthought. Yeah, I don't see... There's no, like, cards you pull and it's got a Rodney joke on it or anything. I don't think you're going to laugh playing this game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. So you have number tiles and... I, my guess is that uh, this was a Milton Bradley game that didn't sell well, and then they um, they got a contract with Dangerfield, and then they're like, "All right, let's just let's let's uh, let's bring this game back." Like, do we need to take a production photo of you? Like, we'll just use an old one. We don't care. We yeah, we're gonna slap your face in any piece of garbage, and <laughs> I just imagine Ronnie hey, Dangerfield like rushing the box home to like play with his family. Like, I finally made it. Yeah. <laughs> This is a big mark of success for him. Because yeah, he's playing with his son, Matt Dangerfield. <laughs> Time for questions. Time, Time for, for questions. questions. So normally we take questions from the, the patrons. This time we forgot to ask. Uh, that Because normally that's something Kevin does, and uh, we weren't sure if we were going to... Thank record. you again, Kevin. Yeah. You, were, you were very missed this episode. Yes. Uh, but... Uh, because this is kind of kind of an oddball episode, we decided, Max, why don't you provide us with questions? Okay, so the, I got these questions from three different Reddit AMAs. Okay, you just pulled three random AMAs, and you're just going to ask questions <laughs> right. that weren't directed towards us. Yes. Right, so the first AMA is, I am actor Michael Malarkey. I play Enzo on The Vampire Diaries. Ask me anything. And... Uh, first question here. Favorite Enzo line? Enzo. What's your favorite Enzo <laughs> My line? My favorite Enzo line. The one who plays the vampire on the Vampire Diaries. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm not going to lie. I cannot get Enzo the Baker out of my head. The first thing I think... Does, does that reference ring with anyone? N- no. no not gonna, is, okay, is never mind. A, it's a th- yeah, it I'm is. thinking of Fred the Baker from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I'm way off track here. So. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, my, I'm assuming that Enzo, the va- who may be a baker, and but is certainly a vampire... Uh, does he bake things with blood in them? Like, like yeah. jelly donuts, but like yeah. the jelly is blood? And I so... I can't stop thinking of John Lovitz, so I'm going to guess his line is just, Time to die! <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's Enzo that the Baker. That is a great line that Enzo says. Well, personally, my favorite Enzo line is, um, Looks like you've reached the Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would you rather have fingers as long as your legs or legs as long as your fingers? I'm guessing that's not really a question um, specific to him either. <laughs> but it is a good question. So fingers as long fingers as, as legs, long as legs or legs as long as fingers. I feel like a good plastic surgeon could like fix that shit up, but legs as long as fingers, you're kind of on your own. Yeah. I yeah. Assuming you couldn't fix it in any way, I think I'd go with the short legs because people can get around with wheelchairs and whatnot, you know? Uh, and I guess I could probably still walk around, just I'd be like E.T. kind of. Um, whereas really long fingers, you just would be stuck with them, right? Not necessarily. Like, I'm assuming we also live in 21st century America in the greater Boston area with competent, capable medical professionals. Well, I'm assuming that uh, I'm assuming a, rule, a rule no. of this situation is uh, you can't get it removed or you can't get it Oh, okay. um, 
Uh, at which in which that case, like I have to live with these fingers. Yeah, but like long <laughs> fingers are still functional. I don't like, think you, you I think they would be too heavy to move. Speaking of too heavy, it to would move, be really uh, disturbing, and I yes. think it would be gross. These are all good segues into. Um, I, I oh, I hope I get some comments on this one on Patreon or whatever. Does anybody else out there, and clearly you guys can't answer, but Max and Neil, MTV used to have MTV oddities. It were these really strange little cartoons. They kind of look like Beavis and Butthead more more than any other animation style I can think of. Yeah, and one of them that was really successful was. It was just called The Head. I remember it, yeah. It was a guy with a really big head. Really, really like long, long elongated, or... almost like a Marge Simpson hair, but that's his head. And it's because an alien landed on Earth and had to live in it, but it wasn't uh, played for laughs. It was creepy. I remember, yeah, this is like unlocking weird memories for me because I definitely saw and this as a kid. People thought that he had a physical like aberration or something medical had happened. And so he goes away to a retreat or like a, a therapy, a, a home for people with physical abnormalities for whom society is shunned. Sort of a, the, the episode of the Twilight Zone where you're pretty and normal people are ugly and so they go to live in where ugly people live but ugly people are normal people. You all know the episode. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. But the head goes to live with people who have been cast out. They've been called freaks and they've been ostracized and... Yeah, you, Max, is this ringing a bell? Because nope. I used to share these like, like at the crack of dawn, like Saturday... It would have been a morning cartoon... Um, not necessarily Saturday morning cartoon, and it was clearly for like teenagers, and it was a precursor to like Adult Swim, to weird things like Super yeah. Jail. No, I definitely remember it being something that like I shouldn't have been watching. Kind it's, of. Yeah. There's a picture of it. If that rings a bell. Nope, not ringing a bell. It's it basically like a big uh, blimp or like a football. Like it's a ridiculously large cranium. <laughs> and it was good too. I remember it being good and yet creepy. So, next question? Yes. Yes, let's move on. All right. And finally, before we move on to another AMA, Michael, it's your cousin. Not saying which one, but I will say Troy is feeling brisk today. <laughs> will you be coming back to the area for Thanksgiving or Christmas? Well, he better. I mean, I better because I'm Enzo. Wait, right, wait, so wait, the, 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 act, the character's name is Enzo. The actor's name is Michael. Yes. Malarkey. Michael Malarkey. Um, Sounds made that's up. That's oddly specific. Are you coming over there? Well, what's your answer? Yes or no? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with yes. I'm gonna go the unexpected route. I'm gonna go yes. He. he I am going home. For but but is it an either or? I mean, are you coming home for Thanksgiving or Christmas? Well, uh -huh. Christmas will depend on how Thanksgiving works out. There you right. go. Yeah. Because I was really hoping that this thread would be a little bit more successful than my immediate family asking about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I'm sorry, cousin, but um, I will never return to Troy. I've seen this as Troy, Michigan. Uh, I, I don't know. Troy, the person, could be feeling brisk. Who that knows? could be, yeah. Troy, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to be there for Troy. Uh, he's going to have to bundle up on his own. All right. Next AMA. We are Antiques Roadshow account executive Hannah Auberbach, uh, joined by expert appraisers, Leela Dunbar and Sebastian Clark ask us anything. And the first question, uh, hi, I was just wondering what sticks out to you guys is the coolest thing that's been brought in. Coolest thing that's been brought in to Antiques Roadshow. Nazi gold. Was there? I'm sure there has been. I've been. Actually, I wonder yeah. if there's legal well, you know, statutes the thing, around. The thing about Nazi gold is it's not Nazi gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, uh, coolest thing? Was that the answer? The, or just most interesting? Uh, I've already scrolled past it. Either one. The coolest thing. Uh, oh, it was a it was a coolest yeah. jacket worn by the the real Fonz, the actual man that the Arthur Fonzarelli was based on. The real Arthur Fonzarelli. There was a real Arthur Fonzarelli. Uh, according to my what I'm saying right now, yes, there was. <laughs> uh, it's just an ancient leather jacket. Um, the real guy died in prison. Um, <laughs> And uh, no heirs that we know of, so the the jacket's just been floating around from estate sale to estate sale, and uh, now it's uh, now it's here at the Antiques Roadshow, and I have to say it's worth about um, five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did, did you want to answer it as well, or oh, you already said Nazi gold, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you recommend people do with stuff they don't want, like World War II medals and old turn-of-the-century photos? Eat them. <laughs> Eat all of them to consume the ghosts and power of their ancestors. Does it help to boil like a, a World War II medal, make it softer? Or? It does, it does. Okay, okay. That's good. Yeah. Uh, my advice is... Um, uh, uh, geocaches. Just hide that stuff. <laughs> uh, put it in the geocache database. Um, and, uh, you know, people will find it and they'll find a good home for it. All right. I, I assume cursing is okay? Of course. Yeah. All right. So I have to note that this is from user fucks with ducks. Yes. And the question is, do you know any history about rubber ducks before Sesame <laughs> Street made them popular? Now, hang on. Is that true? I don't know. Did, did Ernie popularize rubber ducks? Rubber uh, ducks? He certainly helped them. I'm going to give the credit to Little be. Richard, not Ernie from Bert and Ernie. <laughs> Little Richard had a rubber duck? Yeah, he does the rubber ducky song. Oh. <laughs> Back in the day? like Yeah, there's oh. Ernie just robbing another man <laughs> from his credit. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, pretty sure Little Richard was on Sesame Street plenty. <laughs> like you can picture it, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd love to think that like he giving was, Kermit a hard time. <laughs> he was just there a lot. We just rarely saw him on screen. He just enjoyed the company <laughs> of Muppets. All right, w- one more before I move on to the third and final AMA. What makes a good episode of Antiques Roadshow an appraisal? Uh. If someone cries, uh, like in a devastated way, not in a happy way, that's usually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people come in thinking that they have the most precious thing, literally the most precious thing that their family has had ever for generations. And when you see the light drop out of their eyes of like these, not this is not worth 45 cents. The only thing of value that you have from the old country is trash. Yeah, you know that scene in Joe Dirt where he finds out his meteor... It's actually a bunch of frozen poop from an airplane. It's like that. that. It's that. Why, you've never seen Joe Dirt? <laughs> anyway, it's like that. All right. So, final AMA, but not final question. Okay. I am a horse dentist. AMA. First question. How hard is it to clean teeth with those cumbersome hooves? Uh, oh, someone's, <laughs> someone thinks they're funny. Wait, what was that guy's username? I want people to find him. Uh, okay, if you want to harass them, this is... <laughs> I didn't say harass, but I kind of implied it. This is Dwizz's. 
D W I Z Z E S. All right, capital D. I should mention. Well, you, Go you, find you, that person. Give them shame for you know Dwizzes. Uh, you, you've you made me laugh. You brought a little light in my day today. So I'll, you're all right. You're all right, Dwizzes. <laughs> what was the question again? Is it hard to clean teeth with the hooves? Those, those cumbersome hooves. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. But uh, I, you know, you go to dental school for how many years? Seven. You'll you'll learn to work around them. So, this is worded very oddly. Who or can you describe to us your worst patient? Addition, additionally, your worst customer. Parentheses horse owner. Shall I repeat that? Please. I think who or can you describe to us your worst patient, comma, additionally your worst customer, parentheses, horse owner. <laughs> I'd like to think that a guy like Jeffrey Tambor has horses, and I feel like he just wouldn't be fun to haggle with. I feel like for some he takes reason it, it too would, seriously. Yeah, that the, whatever you happen to you're there to help the horse. You're there to take yeah. care of the horse. Oh, especially like after winning Emmys. He's definitely like, yeah, Jeffrey Tambor. I feel like when it came to a horse's dental health, Jeffrey Tambor's is going to be a tough guy to, to really to really nail down to a timeline. Um, I'm going to disagree, actually. I'm gonna, I, I think uh, Jeffrey Tambor's hypothetical horses uh, probably don't get dental care at all. I think he's very uh, laissez-faire about that and just figures like, yeah, they're horses, whatever. Uh, you know, he's not racing them. I think he just enjoys their company, so... Uh, but I think probably the worst horse that I've dealt with, um, uh, was one of the, uh, I, I was, uh, the, the horse that Pestilence rides, uh, because Pestilence is just constantly spreading germs into that horse's mouth with every single carrot it feeds it. <laughs> and, uh, it's a nightmare in there. Okay. So I, I guess I'll make this one the final question. How do you make the horses open their mouth but not bite you? Oh, we get bit all the time. That that comes to the territory. It's actually important. That's actually the way that you officially become a horse dentist when you leave horse dentistry school. Is it's kind of like David Carradine at the end of Kung Fu when he has to lift the huge pot of boiling water with his wrists and he gets a tattoo marked of the Kung Fu clan on his wrists. Well, become a true horse dentist. You, your hand gets bit by a horse, and it's a dental horse, so it leaves a certain mark that it gets imprinted on you, and then you will always have the hands, dental horse hands. Dental horse hands. Oh, uh, I, oh, oh go ahead. Do you have another question? I, I, I have to ask this. I know I said the last one was the final one. Well, I didn't, I didn't answer the last oh, one. Oh, go for it. Uh, most uh, horse dentists probably get a few years into their career before they even think to ask, say, ah... Uh, and uh, most hap- most horses are happy to oblige. They actually know English, yeah, all of them. <laughs> all right, actual last question. Okay. <laughs> I love how this is worded. Do Irish priests often bring their lovely horses to you? <laughs> yeah, that's actually why I became a horse dentist. <laughs> <laughs> to meet the lovely horses owned by I Irish just, priests. They're yes. so lovely, and I just wanted to help in any way I could. Fair enough. <laughs> Ryan, do Irish, Irish priests bring, priests bring the most horse. lovely horses I've ever seen? Now that I'm so glad that he finally someone hit the name. What, what's the name of this commenter? 
Uh, I have already closed it. <laughs> That's gone. okay. They're gone forever. Just well, Google that exact phrase let's, and you shall know. Let's just give credit to Dwizzle again while we're at it. And Dwizzle. Yeah. Dwizzle. Dwizzes. Dwizzes. No Dwizzes. Apo- apologies. <laughs> Great question. Dwizzes, yeah. Um, Irish priests do have the, the loveliest horses. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy every time they can be you around. You know what? I think that was code. I think a SWAT team is about to bust in. <laughs> Um, all right, all right. so I, I, well, that's it. We basically did a podcast that had all the parts. Um, so uh, I guess uh, next time we'll try and get Kevin back. Uh, Thank God. <laughs> no, Max, you did great. Yeah. The, the comments shall tell. Oh, yeah, no, actually, sure. yeah. If you listen to this on the Patreon or on YouTube, leave a comment. Tell us, how did Max do? Yeah, please do. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying to know. Well, for everyone out there, I'm Ryan. I'm Neil. I'm not Kevin. And this was Guaranteed Audio, a podcast.